Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers have a very real opportunity in front of them. They have also fumbled many opportunities over the course of the season. How will they handle a really interesting path ahead? Let's start with the most important news regarding this series. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is reporting that John Morant is unlikely to play in Game 2 in Memphis. Uh, John Morant, after the game, sounded pretty, you know, subsided. He didn't He didn't sound particularly confident in his available, availability moving forward. Found it interesting after the play. So, at one, you know, in, in preparation for an article I wrote for Substack about charges, I went back and looked at the video, and man, that that looked brutal. Uh, Landing basically on a bad wrist, not ideal. And uh, after he got hurt there, throughout the game, he had bandages on his hand and stuff, Um, but it was was bandaged in a way that allowed his hand to still move. Obviously, important to be able to move your hand and your wrist— while playing basketball, especially with your strong hand. After the injury, though, he comes back to the bench, and he has a a splint on almost, it looked like. Uh, you know, it was, it was taped very tightly. Looked like they were trying to manage swelling. Uh, and, you know, again, he just looked just really kind of down on the bench. And then, you know, like I said earlier, a- after the game, He's talking about how it's just another thing. You know, this season's been really tough as it is. I would argue that you have yourself to blame for that one, Jaw. But, you know, you add injury to that. And, yeah, he just, he looked really down for somebody who might have a chance of coming back in the series. And and this is where it's really interesting here for for what the Lakers have. And before I do that, honestly, I... I do want to say I hope he he is better. I hope he's able to compete in this series. It's already a bummer that the Lakers and Grizzlies are playing under these circumstances where Memphis doesn't have Steven Adams and they don't have Brandon Clark and uh, Dylan Brooks is available. And and so it's just, it really sucks to see somebody as as talented and as exciting as Ja potentially have to miss, you know, he's, he's at least going to miss one game here. We'll see how long he's he's actually out. So my guess is that uh, Memphis plays this kind of coy, and they just say that he is day to day from here on out, so that the Lakers can't fully scout for a team that won't have him available. But it is worth heading down that path, and I, I will do that here in a bit. 
what Jaws' unavailability uh, means for you know defending the 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 Memphis Grizzlies and what the Grizzlies can do now defensively against the Lakers. Um, there's some interesting stuff there. Talk to Matt Moore of the Action Network uh, today about it and and how he felt about the Grizzlies in in this series if they don't have Jaw for at least one game. And he sounded relatively confident in their ability to win one. I actually think that the Lakers wind up dropping an annoying one in in game two. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So I waited to record this uh, until after the Kings and Warriors game uh, because, you know, if, if the Kings were able to win that one, it means that they're playing at least a six game series. Uh, depending on on you know if if you still have the Warriors coming out, it's going to take at least six games for the Warriors to get out of the series, probably seven, and that's if the Kings can win a road game. By the way, um, that said, you know the Warriors are still really good at home. I fully anticipate the the Warriors being able to take care of business in Game Three. So I do think, regardless, this is at least a a, a six game series. And if so, if the Lakers can wrap this thing up against Memphis, you know, in, in, in five, let alone four games and get some extra rest, that is huge. Uh, especially like you watch those Kings and I mean, all playoff games are, are, you know, a step up in intensity and physicality and speed and all of that stuff. But the pace that the Kings and Warriors are playing at is effing insane. Like, we're talking Kenyon in a marathon insane where you look at the the times afterward and those guys run their miles in, in, in a race that runs 26 and a half, I think miles. Uh, those guys are running like four minute miles. I have never been able to, most human beings have never been able to sniff a four minute mile. I remember the first time I broke six minutes and it was like, a legit accomplishment and then you look and it's like wait those guys are sprinting the whole time it's essentially what it's like watching this this kings and warriors matchup where you just you're waiting for this breakneck pace to subside at some point it's just not happening both game one and two you just watch and, and sure yeah they aren't scoring maybe at the pace that we anticipated in this series but they're certainly getting their shots up they're both teams are defending their asses off um, both games have come right down to the wire and and were physical throughout. Uh, it, it has been this the, those two games have been absolutely insane to watch. And if whoever comes out of that series has to play six or seven of those while the Lakers can maybe get away with playing five or so of their games against Memphis, which I'm not saying that their games against Memphis haven't been as physical or as taxing. Um, you know, on average compared to your regular season games, but it it hasn't quite felt as brutal as these Kings and Warriors games. Like the, the, those things have been freaking wars, and uh, yeah, I, it like late in the fourth quarter, it started to look like the Memphis was just kind of like, all right, that's that's that. But the Warriors at any point over the course of especially Game Two you know, when they lose Draymond and stuff, could have packed it in, but it didn't happen until there was about a minute or so to go in the fourth quarter. Both those teams are working their asses off. Whoever comes out of it is going to be that much weaker as a result of that series, 
And and this is where the Lakers again, like I I cannot stress how important it is for the Lakers to take game two especially as seriously as they possibly can. All that said, yeah, I am definitely ready for the thirteen point loss <laughs> that 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 is coming on Wednesday night. It's coming. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be annoying. Just get ready for it. Now, as far as as you know, the game plan here moving forward against Memphis and how things change for that team without its you know the head of its the the, the spear there with with Jaw, um, you know, look, we saw it there in the fourth quarter, and Memphis did execute fairly well against the Lakers down the stretch of that one until they did it right, and the Lakers, you know, to their credit, were keeping pace. Obviously, Austin Reeves had his moments. Rui Hachimura had his moments. And then eventually, you know, the Lakers got a few stops, got out in transition, and the game was over. Um, and it got out of hand very, very quickly. And I think that's kind of, you know, that, that should teach them just a little bit about their approach here and what they're going to have to deal with against Memphis playing without John Morant. I, I think, and, and, and again, Matt, uh, and I talked about this in yesterday's uh, lowdown or today's not lowdown lounge. Um, this is where it's it's. I think it would be smart of Memphis just to sell out and play as many, you know, five out lineups as they possibly can, and just try to play the variance game, hoping that they only lose Morant for one of them. Now that said, you play the variance game and you don't have it that night. You go to L.A. down 0-2 with two games in, in L.A. And uh, that the series is, is, is all but officially over at that point. It's just a matter of, you know, how quickly the Lakers can put you away. But uh, still, you know, look, it's like I said yesterday on, on uh, the lowdown where I really think that, you know, for as, as great uh, in, an offensive matchup A.D. might be, against Memphis, uh, given how thin they are up front, uh, AD is is single-handedly taking away the key from a team that desperately needs to get into the paint and create from the inside out. And, and you know, when you don't have, when you're not relying on Ja Morant to do those things, and, you know, with Ja, he needs to be in the paint to be as effective as he can possibly be. And if the paint is essentially swallowed up by how great AD is defensively, then that really kind of takes away from John Morant, uh, the player, and the impact that he can make on that side of the court. And this is all before I get to how much better a defensive presence Tyus Jones is than than John Morant. Like Jaw, uh, for all of his athleticism and stuff like that, he kind of reminds me of of young Russell Westbrook in uh, on on defense where. Sometimes he 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 dives and he makes the right play and you get out in transition, and and the Grizzlies are just overwhelming when he's good on that side of the ball. But also, he is you know his athleticism can kind of take him out of place sometimes too as he overreacts to stuff and and gets beat back door and stuff. Honestly, when when the Grizzlies are at their best, you have four solid defenders around him. They get a stop, they get a live ball turnover, they get the ball to jaw, and he is so effing fast, and that the rest of that team is so effing fast in transition that they just come at you in waves. Not saying that that Jones can't, 
you know, replicate some of that. You know, he is, he is, I really think, a really solid point guard. But that kind of speed, that kind of, you know, pace, pace setting ability that, that Jaw has, that is really going to be lacking. So it's really going to be important for uh, Memphis to succeed better in the half court. And, and I think that's where, you know, yeah, they, they tried out Xavier Tillman and they tried out Salt, Salty, Santi Aldama. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it, it, Aldama in particular was a freaking disaster and Tillman, you know, AD could kind of wander off him and a Lakers player could kind of wander off him to go and wreak havoc somewhere else. I think the way that they do this or the way that Memphis probably should do this is to focus more on getting Luke Kennard out there more. Uh, obviously, Tyus Jones is going to play a lot more. Uh, the 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 offense is going to be a lot more Bane heavy, and it's really going to be necessary for Dylan uh, Brooks to go out there and hit shots. And then, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. has that much more room to operate on the interior. Obviously, you can't play those four, those five guys, you know, for forty-eight straight minutes. That's not an option. So there are going to be some Aldama minutes. There are going to be some Tillman minutes. But in terms of identity, you know, I talked about how how uh, Darvin Ham really set a tone by bringing in Rui Hachimura early and and setting the Lakers' identity as bigger, stronger, faster. In this case, I think the 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 uh, Grizzlies' best chance here is to go the opposite direction and force the Lakers to try to have to keep up with that approach. The Lakers have the shooters potentially to be able to, um, but but still, like I think that what what the Lakers are really going to have to do is is try to utilize length and athleticism to to make those shots on the perimeter that much more uncomfortable defensively this is where I, I you know on top of all of the stuff that I talked about the Lakers have looked their worst I think this season when teams have successfully stretched them out um, Darvin Ham's defense has done a pretty good job really good job in some time at, at some points uh, keeping teams off the three-point line or making them uncomfortable on the three-point line and 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 that is or I think the most successful way if you're if you can actually sustainably replicate those things i think that is the biggest key to modern defense uh but you know when you're when you're that much slower as the lakers might be as a result of this potential approach that memphis might take that's where you know darvin might have to go back to smaller lineups multi-guard lineups um and and yeah that's where this game gets really interesting i i I do think there's reason to be optimistic. Obviously, playing against a team without three of its best, like five players, uh, is you know maybe six players, is is always a great opportunity. But in terms of just sheer matchups here, uh, this is this this can get a little tricky. And then you know you add to that the Lakers' tendency over the course of the season to take teams uh, less seriously than you probably should given certain circumstances. Hell, we've seen the Lakers sit out guys um, and try to win with as few bodies available, uh, depending on which team they're matched up against over the course of the, the, the last stretch of the season. And obviously I understood that. It was a super long sprint that they essentially had to embark on 
because of the, the hole that they dug themselves earlier in that year. Uh, but in this case here, if the Lakers are able to, to wrap this thing up early, it creates such an advantage going into the next series. And, and yeah, like I don't really want to get ahead of myself and start thinking about the next series here. You do still have to take, uh, take care of business against a team that is going to have its pride. But let's put it this way. If the Lakers are able to like keep this thing close, I do think, you know, Memphis's crowd is going to get a little nervous. Uh, this would be another kind of playoff disappointment given the expectations going into the season, let alone the postseason. And and I do think there could be some kind of checkout potential if the Lakers are able to keep it close throughout. Um, you, you get shot out of this one early and the, the opportunity is missed altogether. And, and if you are able to win this one, then you're looking at, you know, a real chance at a four game sweep, if not, you know, a, a gentleman sweep. And, and I think, uh, that's where I think the Lakers, you know, they, they really have to take advantage here and, and, uh, we'll see what that looks like. We'll see how capable of, of, of that they are. But I, I cannot, I know I've said it like three or four times now. I would say it like 20 or 30 more if I could. That's terrible audio. But the Lakers cannot take this opportunity lightly, especially given what we saw in last night where the Kings, you know, they beat uh, the Warriors at home two times here in a row. The Warriors walk away from that, you know, maybe saying to themselves, you know, both games were close. Maybe get back home and, and, and rip off a couple wins. We also have to see what happens with Draymond and whether he gets suspended. My guess is he won't. Um, and that the league kind of looks at the flagrant two as his suspension. But, but yeah, I, I really, gosh, man, if they could figure out a way to win uh, Wednesday night, given this circumstance and, and given everything that is now kind of heaped against Memphis, that would be monstrous. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast. Uh, I do hope you guys check out the conversation that Matt Moore and I had uh, just right below this show on the feed uh, where we dive deeper into not just Lakers Grizzlies here moving forward, but the, the performance that Denver put together against Minnesota was really noteworthy to me. Um, we did talk about the path ahead for the Lakers and how they could quite easily get to the uh, Western Conference Finals if they take advantage of all the opportunities that lay ahead of them. And then, um, you know, I've, I've had quite a few people asking about, you know, getting shows up on YouTube and, and whether that is going to be a possibility. And yeah, I figured why not? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I've been backloading and backfilling episodes from when I when I brought the show over to Blue Wire. Uh, those episodes are, are going to be on YouTube. Just search Lakers Lounge and, and you'll find uh, that channel there. Um, looking to go live on that feed whether uh, whenever I have guests who are open to that. And then, uh, you know, the other bit of news here is that Raj has actually signed on to do postgame stuff with me um, so long as the Lakers are in the playoffs. So two cool announcements there. Uh, I hope y'all subscribe to that and 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 get the audience behind that. 
I have really appreciated how you guys have uh, started refilling that that mailbag, that iTunes mailbag. That has really helped uh, the show, I think, just today or whenever it was, jump back into the top 200 ratings on iTunes. That is huge for us. So shouts to everybody for the support that you guys continue to give us um, whenever I ask for it, however I ask for it. You guys are, are, are truly the best. Um, until the next time I hear or you hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.